Hello, ladies. We would like to welcome you to our Goodness and Gracious podcast. It is our desire for this podcast to help women to grow and be strengthened by taking the Bible and laying out God's plan for our lives. Now, throw in some laundry. If you have kids at home, send them to their room. Grab a cup of coffee or your favorite drink because it's time for just you and God. Oh, well, and I guess us. Now, let's dive right in. Hello, ladies, and thank you for joining us for our Goodness and Gracious podcast once again. We'd like to thank Rachel for joining us. Um, we thought that we were going to be ending this uh, Far Above Rubies, a Proverbs perspective. Last time we discussed that we will be finishing this series with this segment. However, we must expect the unexpected when it comes to God. We will be taking our time and adding one more segment after this, at least one more. Um, that means we'll be splitting up the last eight verses into two different segments. So let's begin with our next verse. So Proverbs 31, 24 says, She maketh fine linen and selleth it, and delivereth girdles to the merchant. So for me, it's hard to believe um, that after years of tradition that we're reading what we're actually reading. You know, our traditions seem to be, they seem to contradict um, what is clearly laid out here. I have basically, she can be a career woman. Yeah. And that's not really kind of always what we've been taught, you know, stay at home wife, mother, whatever. But to me, she can have a career and she can be the keeper at home. But that doesn't mean that she can neglect her obligations at home to her husband and her children just because she has a career outside the home. Um, I would consider this a balancing act, just like in verse 18. And at the end of this verse, it says her candle goeth not out by night. So she can have a career outside the home, but she still has to come home to work there because her home is her homework is never done, basically. So, yep, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, she's this is a working woman. She's working on things um, other than her husband's needs and other than her children's needs. Uh, she's making money. She's contributing to the family income. And by the sounds of it, she's she's pretty good at it. I think the key here would be planning. You know, exactly. You know you're going to be going to work at this time. You're going to be getting off at this time and try and plan the rest of your evening at home, you know, between spending time with your husband, your kids, plus getting your work done at home. I think I think the key is, like what you said, I think it was – mom said it is balance you can work but you can't neglect being a mom being a wife and your all your housely duties and all your other things it's a lot to balance but that's what we're called to do and to be and so if you are at the phase of your life where you have to work you have to find that balance to do all of it you know just because you are you have to do that doesn't mean you get to let the other one slide right. it's important to balance right. i agree with that and there are some wives that have husbands that work also and they come home and they actually help do some of the house duties, you know, and I think that's fine. I have no problem with that at all. But as long as the, you know, the wife still kind of does her part. Right. Right. And that's what um, we talked about. But all teams look different. Right. You know, um, I know dad does a lot around the house more than CJ does, but that's because that's our, our team just looks different. And, you know, your and Tom's look different too. Right. And so it's just different per team. But like you said, if, if the wife, they both come home from working and the wife goes and sits on the couch and the husband does all the work or whatever, like they all should be working together to have a working a household. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's all about teamwork. I agree. Priorities. 
Um, so at work, I, I struggle with being the boss sometimes because I'm, I'm pretty good at doing what I need to get done, but delegating that stuff to, to other people and letting them know what their prior priorities are. So if you have a, a perspective of your priorities, then you know what comes first. So um, the, the husband and the kids and then the home and then everything else comes before these other ventures that you're doing. Um, you, ha- you, ca- you can make it all work. But I think that when you take it away from, when you take the woman away from the Bible, where she doesn't have that, that guidance, God gives you the guidance. He lets you know what the priorities are. Um, when you take the Bible out of it, you take God out of it. That's how it gets messed up. You know, everything gets put in the wrong order. Um, you're doing working on this one. You should be working on that. That's why the world is the way it is now. <laughs> I agree. Everything's got mixed up. I agree. And, and, and with that, like, we've talked a lot about balance um, as a mom, as a wife, but kind of like you brought in just now, first and foremost is your relationship with God. So you can come home from working, you know, 12 hours a day and be the best mom and wife. But if you're not having a relationship with God, that's still not helping you any, you know, it's balanced for all of it. I agree. So back in part two of our far above rubies uh, series, Proverbs 31, 14, we discussed that a virtuous woman is like the merchant's ships. Uh, When it comes to finding the good stuff for her family, uh, she knows, she knows where to go to get that. And, so the merchants ships, they travel far distances to purchase fine products. We discussed that before, um, to, to get the best of the best. So here in verse 24, we read that she is now delivering the goods that she has made with her own hands to the merchants. You know, I would say, um, that some of those merchants came in on ships. So she makes money and she's talented. So this is a, this is a different picture than what I think even traditions has has taught us that a virtuous woman is. Mm-hmm. All right, so that takes us to Proverbs thirty one twenty five, which says, "Strength and honor are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in time to come." I have down in my notes as far as for this verse, um, strength for her daily routines, which would be physical; strength for her changes, which is mental; strong in wisdom and knowledge of the Bible can only get this by daily reading your studying and attending a Bible teaching church. So basically just like Rachel was saying earlier, it's not just your wifely duties, your motherly duties. It's being the daughter you need to be to your King, you know, and to your father, your heavenly father. Um, that to me would be very, very hard to balance with the career and everything else, but I, it, I'm sure it can be done, you know, with God's help, he can guide you in exactly the way he needs you to be. Yeah, I think only he is going to be able to to guide you in that. Only he can give you the answer, the the format for that, what that looks like. So I think that whether we like to believe it or not, um, with the strength and the honor uh, being her clothing, uh, what we wear has a direct effect on what others perceive us to be, okay? So um, this seems to be a, a great controversy, um, these days, and it seems to be more of a generational thing, but it's true. What you wear has a direct effect on how um, others perceive you. Exactly. Unfortunately, I don't understand it. I don't understand how these husbands can let their wives dress the way they do. It it brings a reproach on them, and I I, I guess I don't quite understand it. Maybe, right. maybe it's how I was brought up. I don't know, but no, I I it matters. Yeah. You know. 
So because if you're wearing a McDonald's uniform, uh, people are going to perceive you perceive that you work for Mickey D's. Okay, there's there's no way around it. You're going to wear a McDonald's uniform. That person works at McDonald's. Um, but there are many different types of uniforms. So the police officer, a chef, mechanic, doctors, um, the list goes on and on. So people also have perceptions based on other things. So if you have food on your clothes, if your shoes, yeah, <laughs> yep. If you have, if your shoes are untied, yeah. yes, definitely. <laughs> and your hair is messy. People may perceive you as a slob. Now, you know, listen, if the shoe fits <laughs> <laughs> and likewise, as you had mentioned, if you wear short skirts, tight pants, um, low cut revealing tops, you know, people are going to perceive you as maybe something that you don't want to be perceived as. Exactly. But once again, you know, what we, what we clothe ourselves with, um, gives people the perception of actually who we are. Well, if you really think about it, clothing, clothe yourself in the Lord brings out your natural beauty instead of everybody trying to make themselves up or dress themselves to where everybody can see everything they shouldn't be seeing. Does that make sense? Yep. So on the other hand, this woman, the virtuous woman, she has taken what God has made her on the inside. And these are the only thing, these are the things that only God can do. And she is wearing them on the outside all day, every day. So strength and honor are her clothes. Uh, you know, what does that look like? Um, to me, I think she, she's dressed for success and, and anyone that comes into contact with her knows it. We, they can see it all over her, you know, but what does it take to get that? He, you know, she is spending time in the word. She's, that's, what's going to build her on the inside, what he's going to use to build her on the inside. And then she's going to be strength and she's going to be honorable. And then that's going to come out and, and everyone's going to be able to see it. I think, I think too, strength and honor of all things that to be put down, you can't fake those, you know, like you can, you can dress modest quotations around modest to portray that I'm a good Christian, but you can be faking it. You know what I mean? You could dress good on Sundays and dress not good on the rest of the week, you know? And so to me, strength and honor is something that they, you can't fake that. Like you're, it's going to be what's inside of you and that's going to come out. Well, I have down dignity, dignity, you know? Dignity with a with her godly behavior. Once again, we touch on how we behave, especially in front of others when storms come up against us. Do they see Jesus in us? And who do we cling to? And who do we trust? So, definitely. So then I have the second part of that is, and she shall rejoice in time to come. So I guess for me, no matter how you slice it, life is messy. It gets ugly and it gets scary. Okay. Um, in John 16, 33, Jesus says, these things I have spoken unto you that in me, ye might have peace in the world. ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So he didn't say that you may have tribulation. He said, you shall have tribulation. So what is tribulation? Uh, Oxford Languages says, a state of great trouble or suffering. And Merriam-Webster says, distress or suffering resulting from oppression or persecution. That's That seems like a good definition for tribulation right there. 
Right. I think she should face life with joy and a smile no matter what storm face she faces. Um, and you can question, like, is she faithful to God during the storm? Um, she needs to take it one day at a time. We can rejoice in these tribulations because we're in God's will of where he need, wants us to be. In the book um, I'm reading, Beautiful in God's Eyes, The Treasures of the Proverbs 31 Woman by Elizabeth George, she quoted this, when we take life one day at a time, when we wake up every day for the rest of our life and dress for success in God's wardrobe of virtues, we will reap a lifelong harvest of joy. Yeah. So I think it is very tempting, even for the most Christ-like woman, to throw in the towel. Um, you know, with life being messy, uh, life getting scary, it's very easy, even for the most Christ-like woman, to say, I'm done with this. I'm throwing in the towel. I don't want to have to do it anymore. It's very tempting. Um, we buy into the perception that life is glamorous. Wait for menopause. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. It's not very glamorous when you get to that no, menopause. Because I'm many days I'm like, I'm just done with this. I'm ready to mm. throw in the towel. Well, I don't think that but. anybody anybody would say the menopause part would be glamorous at all. <laughs> yeah. You can go back through the years. But there we've been deceived into thinking that certain things are glamorous, like a new marriage. It's glamorous, you know, right? A first baby, all the kids that follow and the teen years, glamorous. We've fallen into that lie, hook, line and sinker. Um, but that is not the reality. I mean, even the best marriages go through tribulations. Even the best babies and kids present trials. We all have times and opportunities when it would be tempting to be unfaithful. Um, this can apply to many different things, unfaithful to your marriage, unfaithful to, to God in uh, attending church, um, unfaithful to reading. You know, it could be anything that you could be unfaithful in. Um, we could be tempted to be slothful in things. I think we all, we all get that way. Um, we could be tempted to be mean and nasty. We could be tempted to be untruthful. <laughs> that was my nature many 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 years ago <laughs> but because we are humans these temptations will never they'll never vanish they'll never ever go away but if we are clothed with strength and honor he promises that we shall rejoice in time to come i guess my thing is like who are we trying to please yeah. are we trying to please man yeah. are we really trying to please god and how we act walk talk you know clothing yeah whatever yeah i think that's very important to remember who who we who our focus needs to be on uh, because we can be tempted to and i think that you you know that could fall under uh, you know anything i mean if we if i'm being unfaithful i could be unfaithful by trying to please someone else versus trying to please god and if you notice it says in time to come so when your marriage is falling apart, when the baby is up all night screaming, when your teenager is doing everything the opposite of what you want them to do, when all these things are happening, it might be hard to rejoice. But that was, that's a promise that you will rejoice in time to come. And so if it isn't your time, we should rejoice in all things. But if it's not your time to rejoice now, you will have your time coming. Right. Yeah. Well, that kind of brings up, you know, with raising the kids. I mean, my kids are both married and have kids on their own, this, that, and the other. So now is my time to rejoice because I can see them and their marriages and then being the parent they are to their kids. To me, it's my time to rejoice in that part of my life. 
which is awesome. Yep, that's grandbabies is what I'm saying. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, you know, and we like to think that um, this means that we're going to rejoice in heaven when it says we're going to rejoice in time to come. We we like like to think, well, yeah, that's that's going to be in heaven. We're going to rejoice, but that it's not only there; it's it's here as well. It's here and now. You know, good job, well done, my good and faithful servant. Your reward is here. Do you see? Can you see what your reward is? And the saying goes, grandkids are your reward for not killing your kids. <laughs> and it's funny. It is. We say it all the time. But I believe it fits here, you know, perfectly. Uh, Jenny sings Hand of Grace. And the one part says, the things I once dreamed of are now reality. Um, I believe that this is at least part of what all this means. I mean, because as long as we're staying firm in him, we're going to go through these trials. We're going to go through these tribulations. But we know, because he has promised us, that we will rejoice in time to come. So we just have to wait for that. We just have to be patient for that and understand that it's not going to all be, you know, glamorous. No. Times get hard and things may be bleak or maybe it's not even that. Maybe it just isn't what you believe it will eventually be. And when it finally is, you can say, I dreamed of this for a long time and now it's real. You know, it may not be that it's bleak. It just may be that it's not what you had anticipated it to be but eventually it'll be what you've dreamt about when we are in our hardest times it is sometimes impossible to see how god could ever make the current situation be a distant memory and bring rejoicing but he does he always does now this brings us to verse 26 she openeth her mouth with wisdom and her tongue is the law of kindness As I was reading the book that was mentioned before, she brought up a very good point. All of the actions are external until you get to this verse. This is a matter of the heart. I have said this several times, I think in our podcast, and I believe in our doc meetings or whatever, it matters what we say. When we open our mouth, is wisdom coming out or is it just our emotions? There's been plenty of times it's just been my emotions, whether I be upset or hurting or or whatever, I let my emotions get the best of me. I try to look for wisdom and guidance a lot more than what I used to because I don't want my emotions to run my life. I agree. So there have been very few women um, that I've known that when they open their mouth, wisdom is their track record. I mean, very few do you ever find um, that that is actually the case. Um, But I've known a couple that have strived to only offer words of wisdom, continually bathed in kindness. Uh, My grandma seemed to me to always be full of wisdom always she never she never seemed not wise to me um and i never remember her talking ill um of or to anyone like ever she just was everything that came out of her mouth i mean for the better part of her life she was a lost woman she didn't get saved until the end but her whole life she just um seemed to be a wise a wise woman okay now, this does not mean that I liked everything that came out of her mouth, <laughs> because sometimes her wisdom stung a bit, and sometimes her kindness made me feel ashamed. Um, but we, all of us, everyone that she met, loved her deeply and praised her and adored her. Uh, she was a jewel to her family and to my grandpa, 
who um, was beyond proud to have her. So I think that whether we like exactly everything that's coming out of someone's mouth, it, we have to appreciate that it was wisdom. And I can look back and I can see that it was wisdom. And I can even see it then. Um, so we have to understand that wisdom doesn't always come off as the best thing. But a woman who wants to be virtuous, it'll, the wisdom will be on her tongue. Right. Um, do you think when emotions run high, maybe instead of just speaking, we should stop? pray and then speak or maybe just let it go. Like if someone comes up to us and says something or whatever, instead of us just lashing back or just saying the first thing that's on our tongue because it's right there, maybe we should just stop, pray, walk away, or just say, Lord, you're going to take control right now if you need to go ahead and you know talk now or whatever. If we speak too quickly, it can hurt someone else or actually can just hurt our witness. Um, also in the book, she concludes this verse with God's rules for godly speech. And I wrote these down. There's like six of them or whatever. And it says, um, a, you establish two guidelines, which would be, um, speak only if the words are wise and then also speak only if the words are kind. That's not always easy to do when you've got somebody maybe chewing you out or whatever, you know, the words you speak back, are they kind to that person? Um, number two is think before you speak. Um, number three, learn to wait. Number four, add sweetness to your speech. You know, just do that puppy dog look or whatever and just add that sweetness, you know. <laughs> and then five, add persuasiveness to your speech. And then six, err on the side of less. So sometimes less is more when it comes to your speech. I could have used that this morning. <laughs> because I was mad. I was bad at Tom this morning. And I probably said some things I shouldn't have said this morning. Um, but I believe that God forgives me and I asked him for that forgiveness and was able to get that forgiveness from Tom. But, um, but that's the key. It is. Is to go ahead and realize what you did yeah. and ask the Lord and ask your spouse or whoever you're speaking to. Oh, right. I'm sorry. I should never, but sometimes, you know, it depends on what you say. Sometimes it's too late. You yeah. know, if, if you say really harsh words, you know, because you're in a rage of emotion or whatever, it, sometimes it's too late and yeah. you just like, you know, you just think to yourself, I would give anything if I could take that back. Yeah. yeah. And part of that, I guess, is it's a learning experience. So once God reveals to you that you have a problem with your speaking, your mouth, you're not speaking wise things or whatever. So the first time you go out and you start saying things you shouldn't say, it might not bother you. But then you go back and you pray and God's like, remember we were working on that? Mm. And so then you go the next time and he's tapping you on the shoulder as you're saying it. And you're like, oh, yes. so then you go back and you're probably like, okay, yeah, I remember this time I'll be good. And then you go out again. And, and then the next time <laughs> then you want to say something because you're in the conversation and God's like, and you're like, you yeah. know, and it's just yeah. the learning process. Yeah. God is constantly like, don't say that. And you just have to learn to be obedient through it. And it's, it's kind of right. phases. That's what I've learned is that I'm not always obedient. But when I go back to him, he's always like, you know, we were working on that. <laughs> you didn't do so great this time. And, and he's just always, yeah. you know, chastising you and like, you know, hey, let's do better next time. And it's never it's never mean. Right. You know, right. he's never. always he's lovingly helping you to become this. To and be how, how sweet it is to have the chast chastisement of the yeah. Lord because, yeah. you know, he loves you. You yeah. know what I'm saying? He's not just like Rachel said, he's not doing it because he's mean. He's not, you know, whatever. He loves you. He wants you to do his will and be where, you know, you're supposed to be with him. Right. So I guess kind of with that comment too, if you're not like, I don't consider myself a wise woman, <laughs> but uh, if you're, if you feel like maybe speaking is something you struggle with and I've had 
God's had his fair share of talking to me about my speaking, but uh, <laughs> it's not too late. No, you know, you don't, even if you're an older woman listening to this or whatever, God can still work in you and he's what helps you overcome it. You know, you'll never go out in a day and a week or whatever and speak perfectly. You're going to say things you shouldn't say. You're going to say things you're going to regret, but he can help you to do that. And I feel like, I don't know, every time I come back and I pray with him, it's, he's kind of like, so that wasn't good <laughs> or you did good this time. Like you yeah. listened to me. I tapped right. you on the shoulder. You didn't say it. And then I feel so much better. Like, you know, maybe I am overcoming this and growing closer to him through obedience. So it's just like what, when I was saying, like with my grandma and her wisdom, sometimes I didn't like everything that she was saying right. and it, and sometimes it stung and sometimes it made me ashamed. That's the same way with God. You know, right. he's not, he's not being mean. Just because I feel stung and I feel ashamed doesn't mean that he's not doing exactly what he's supposed to be right. doing. You know, he's still good. He's so wise. You know, he's exactly what we need. But too, do you feel now, because the things that your grandma probably said, you were probably young and like, she just thinks she knows it all. Right. You know, but now looking back, now that you're, you're not old, but you're older <laughs> and <laughs> <How sweet. laughs> you can see she said it out of love. Yeah. And that's the same way with God. He's doing it all out of love. I think too, it's a, it's a pride issue. So, um, like this morning when I was so angry at Tom, so a, a lot of what I said was true, but did I need to say it? Right. That's the thing is I think that because I'm mad, I get to say this, you know, and I'm right. So <laughs> I get to say it, you know, and I, that was one of the things that I, that's one of the things that God's working with me on is just because I'm right doesn't mean I get to open my mouth about right. it. Right. So that's <laughs> it's a hard, I'm a hard, lesson. It hard. Yes, yes. It's a hard lesson. Yes. <laughs> so that brings us to verse 27, which says she looketh well to the ways of her household and eateth not the bread of idleness. So to me, this brings us back to the household situation. Um, if she's busy taking care of her family and her household, there isn't much room to be idle. Um, this isn't just the physical part of housework. It's also the spiritual as well. Make sure you aren't being lazy and letting your husband, after he's worked all day, do everything in the household. But it's also the spiritual aspect. Don't, because you're so tired, you know, when you get home, which we touched on it earlier, don't forget to make sure you put the Lord in there somewhere, you know, which you should be putting him in there all day long, but make sure you don't leave him out when you get home. Yeah, finding what your responsibility is. Um, you know, the husband is the spiritual leader of the home, but the mom plays a big role. You know, she, she's still, she's not excusable. Um, I think that, you know, as many commentaries as I have read regarding this verse, every single one basically says that she is not lazy, but I think there's a stark difference in what we call not lazy and what God calls not lazy. Um, because we may think I cleaned the kitchen and the bathroom today and I was definitely not lazy, you know, but I think that we could clean the kitchen and the bathroom and God would still look at us and say, girl, you lazy, <laughs> you know, that's just the way it I is. I don't think it's really saying that we can't have any lazy days No, because I think we all have that kind of, well, I don't know about Rachel. She's one of those that's from sun up to sundown sun yeah. doing everything or whatever. She reminds me of Gary's grandma Matheny. That's just basically on the go, 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 go. Like, you know, strung out on coffee or something. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that part's true. <laughs> But I don't think it's meaning that we can't have a lazy day every now and then. You know, even that lazy day can consist of maybe I'm sitting in my uh, recliner, but maybe I'm reading a book, yeah. you know, 
about learning more of what he wants me to learn, you know, or reading my uh, devotion or my Bible scriptures or, you know, doing my scripture writing or whatever. It doesn't mean that I'm leaving him, leaving him out when I'm being on a per se lazy day. Yeah. Yeah. I think that lazy, um, more than, more than an action is more of a mindset, you know, is your, is your mindset lazy? Um, so it says she looketh well to the ways of her house household. Uh, this speaks planner to me. You brought up the word planner, I think earlier. Um, she knows the present needs of her family and is looking ahead to what the future might hold. Okay. So I just, I think that when she's looking up, she looketh well to the ways of her household. That's what she's doing. She's planning. But Matthew 634 says, take therefore no thought for the morrow for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. So I do not believe that this means um, to live in this day and who cares what will be needed to sustain us for tomorrow. I don't think that that really means that. I think a virtuous woman is not taken by surprise um, concerning the things of tomorrow. That's, that's the key. She's planning for it. She knows full well that although tomorrow may be the same as today, it may also not be as pretty as today. So she's she's thinking, she's letting God have his place, but she's also knowing that she has a role to play in that. And so basically, for instance, where were we uh, August 29th of 2019? A far cry from here. But I think the virtuous woman knows that that could be a very um, real thing, you know, and even with 2020, August 2020 looked a lot different than it does now, but it also looked a lot different, way different than it did in 2019. So I think I th- you guys were in Haiti in 2015 around August. this time. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I, it, it could, it's going to be different right. and a, and a virtuous woman just plans for that. So, and eateth not the bread of idleness to be totally honest, this rubs me the wrong way. Um, This is not a woman who does a bit of labor and then thinks she deserves a break because of it, okay? So this woman, this is a woman who redeems her time. Like she is constantly, like you talked about Rachel, from sunup to sundown, she's redeeming her time. I know that that may not look like it to you that you're doing that, but it looks like that to the the ones around you that are watching you. Um, That's how we perceive you because that's what you're wearing, um, your clothes. And I, I firmly believe that that's who you are. Um, but this is not to say that recreation should not be a part of her life. Okay. It just means that reality versus recreation ratio is not 50, 50. Right. Um, and truth be told, if she is in tune with God, reality becomes her fun. That becomes her recreation. Uh, there's joy and reward in simply being what he has clearly laid out for us to be. So I used to be one for playing games on my phone. Same. Yeah. (laughs) It seemed like every time I sat down, I was playing a game on my phone. Seriously, every single time. And I justified it. I did. I justified it to myself because I worked hard. I was taking care of this. I was taking care of that. But God spoke to me through this and reminded me that I had someone in my life that I needed to spend abundant time praying for. So he dealt with me. Um, on giving all these games up and spending that time praying for this person. Um, 
I did that and I have not played any games on my phone for over a year. So I can see where God has moved in that and he has, he has greatly taken over and out of my obedience um, to him, he has been able to work through that. Not that I've done anything, but just my obedience and, and him, he sees fit to take care of some of those things that have been, that were going on. Um, but I recently found myself in the airport waiting for a flight and I thought, what would one game hurt? So I went to check. I mean, I had several, <laughs> I had several hours where I had to sit in the airport and wait for a flight. And I'm like, I could really be just having fun on my phone. So I went to check and I had deleted every single game from my phone and sure I could have do downloaded them again. Um, but it was God's way of saying, you have no time for that in your life. So don't bring it back. And I was like, it was like a slap on my face. And I'm like, you, you are right. Because what if I had left that one game on my phone and I had started playing it? You know, it's a slippery slope that I'm going right. back and I'm going back and I'm giving time that maybe I could be doing something for him. I could be reading. I could be praying. I could be doing this. And this could be my joy instead of playing a game on my phone. I've, I try to justify it by downloading bible games you know i'm learning the bible you know and all that stuff no because i'm in the same boat god yeah. god showed me where i needed to get rid of all my games or whatever and even i do this coloring page on my ipad it just helps my mind kind of relax a little bit well it was just a constant all day long you know that's what i was doing so i felt the lord tapping me and saying you need to get rid of that so i got rid of it for a while and with everything i'm going through whatever i thought it'll probably be all right so i downloaded it again but I do it in moderation. Like I'll do like well, maybe one picture of a morning, maybe like one in the evening or one in the afternoon, and then maybe like one. Because like me and Gary will sit down and watch TV. He unwinds by watching TV. Well, some of these shows do not let me unwind, <laughs> then he watches and I'm on edge. So I get my little iPad out and I color at least one picture. So I limit myself. Yeah. And I feel like God's okay with that because most of my other time I'm trying to spend praying to him or thinking to him, you know, or whatever. Yeah, yeah I think it's obvious in this day and age that phones are a huge issue you yes. can't everyone says we're busy everyone says that i don't have time and if you look at your phone for me so um the fast for camp was like a month forever. a month and a, a half time. or something yeah it, it was, was really long it felt like forever longer than what josh so <laughs> i gave up i don't really do facebook a whole lot but i really like instagram and i pinterest and uh those are those are my social medias <laughs> and uh so i gave up all anything that was like social media and at first I'm like, oh, you know, I'm not on it that much. Like, how much could it really hurt me, right? Like, you sit down to go to the bathroom or, yeah, you know, like, exactly. like, you have food in the microwave for 30 seconds. Like, yeah. all these little times, you know. Like, I, I try not to just sit for hours on end because I have kids. I don't, like, that feels guilty. Like, obviously, like, if I'm sitting for hours on my phone, I could be right. playing with my kids. But even, like, the two minutes that you sit down to just, like, I need a break. I'm going to take a, you know, I'm going to eat a snack and look at Instagram or whatever all of those little things added up because like I really didn't sit for hours, but I did take two minutes, three minutes. And then like looking at my phone usage, the difference in the, during the fast and like afterwards, like I was able to finish a book. <laughs> I was yeah. able to do all these things right. because instead of picking up my phone, I would either pray for the kids. I would pray for camp. You just, you realize you have so much more time when you stop. But I think phones are just such a big issue. Yeah, I think I that we don't realize how much time we're really spending on our phones. Yeah. We should start journaling that. Yeah, your you phone. Know. Well, your phone keeps track of it for you. You can I'm, see on the iPhones. You can see okay. exactly what apps 
I get a weekly hours. report. Yeah, it's it's bad <laughs> on <laughs> Sundays. Yeah, and so if you if I you don't look at those, I do get those, but I do not look at those. <laughs> that shows you. So I think when we talk about idleness, I think our phones calls us. To me, that's that's idleness. Like I think, yeah. like you said, if you are sitting down and reading your Bible or reading a you know a good Christian book or something, or if you're sitting down and calling up a friend or you're mentoring someone, those are good things. Like if you're sitting still idling, that's not idling. You know what I mean? Like right. what this verse is calling. But if you're playing games or you're on Instagram or you're doing those things and sitting still, I think that's yeah. considered idling. It's checking out. Yeah. So when I look at my phone, when I'm scrolling through Facebook, I'm checking out, you know, right. I'm just paying attention to what's going on there. I told Jamie the other day, I said, it seems like all of the things that I post on Facebook anymore, they're getting slapped with a COVID thing. And I'm like, do these people really think they're hurting my feelings? Because I'm not out here trying to, to preach on Facebook. I'm just saying what's on my mind, you know, but that's exactly what it is. It's just mindless mm -hmm. stuff, you know, and I, I'm thankful that I have learned to scroll past some of the things that I actually want to, cause I don't, I don't have time for that. That's another thing that God showed me. You don't have time for this. Right. You do not have time to be commenting on this or commenting on that. Too much drama. On it is too much yeah. drama and I cannot handle it. And so I got to thinking, you know, could I give up Facebook? Could I, could I completely be done with it? I, I think I could. Um, I like to stay up on what everything's doing. I don't watch the news and I don't listen to the news. The news that I get is the 97.7, the SRN radio news yeah. on the way to work. And that's just about all the news I get and whatever pops up from um, HuffPost, which whatever on that. But anyways, um, I don't watch news. So it kind of helps me to keep up on what's going on because what you're getting on Facebook is probably just as close to truth as what's coming out on the, you know, on every other news channel. Um, but I think I could give it up. I think I could give it up and, and be done with it because when I think about giving up those games and I, and I think I don't have time for them anymore. Where, what did I do with my life, you know what I'm saying? I wasted so much time yeah. playing games. I have no time for that now. You know, I've given up um, watching TV during the week when I go to bed. I turn on a beach sound and I, that's how I fall asleep. And I, I try to not pick up my phone and look at it before I go to bed. I start thanking God. You know, I have that big sign on my wall in my bedroom that says, um, what if I woke up tomorrow with only the things I thanked God for today? That's what I try to do when I go to bed. I start thanking God for all of the things that's, you know, that's going on in my life. And those are the things that are going to truly help us to be clothed in that strength and that honor mm -hmm. and be what he's called us to be. Right. I think it's fascinating. I've actually been kind of doing the same thing as far as nighttime or whatever. I know for some reason I don't fall asleep as easy as I used to, but I will lay there and maybe a Bible scripture will kind of pop in my head. So I'm sitting there kind of reciting as much as I know of it, you know, or whatever. And like last night, basically I was going over the three circles that we learned in our uh, gospel training yesterday and it, it helped me fall asleep just, and it was kind of sweet because you're thinking on him when you're falling asleep. That's what's on your mind is thinking on him. Well, I guess that about wraps up this session. So our next session will be on Proverbs 31, 28 through 31. And we will have Rachel back with us, hopefully again. So be studying on that. And we hope you enjoyed today's broadcast. Thank you, Rachel, for being with us again. Thanks for having me once again. All right. We'll see you ladies next time. Thanks, everyone. Bye. We thank you for joining us for our Goodness and Gracious podcast. We pray that this was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more information about our women's ministry we have to offer, or you would like to contact us, 
please visit our website at www.sandhillfwb.com women. We hope you will join us next time, and until then, we pray God blesses you with his goodness and gracious.